Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. If we're gonna walk, we're gonna walk as lions. Are we going to walk today? Where are you going to walk today? Have you already taken a walk today? I mean, to walk is to move by the feet, Altern- alternately putting one foot in front of the other. That's got to probably gets a little ditty going on in your mind, right? I want to talk for a moment here at the outset of Mornings with Carmen, hour two, about the politics of walking. Did you take a walk yesterday? Did you walk in the footsteps of Martin Luther King Jr. or other civil rights activists or leaders? Um, Where did you walk? For whom would you walk? Let's talk about when we walk. When when do you walk? When do you walk out? When do you walk up? When do you walk alongside? We could also talk about where we walk, where you choose to walk, where you choose not to walk, where we look when we walk, or where we avoid looking when we walk. You've ever done that? You've ever, like, avoided catching someone's eye as you were walking, you like intentionally avoided that or intently looked at somebody as you um, walked past them or alongside them. How about who we walk with or who we avoid when we walk? I'm thinking there maybe about the um, Jesus's teaching about the Good Samaritan, you know, seeing the traveler who whose walk was interrupted by thieves and he was beaten and he was lying alongside the road, and people avoided him. They avoided noticing. They averted their eyes. They crossed over to the other side. Who do you avoid when you walk? Who do you avoid walking with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be seen with them. You don't want to, don't want to be associated with them. How about how we walk? I mean, there are, you know, I, I when I was little, <clears throat> actually took like a poise class at Montgomery Ward. It doesn't exist anymore. But like I can literally see myself learning to walk with a book on my head because, you know, holding your head directly above your shoulders and learning to walk gracefully. Have you, uh, how about learning to walk with a cup of coffee in your hand? Have you done that? Mm -hmm. How we walk. You've seen people and the, the way they walk indicates something about them. It communicates something. How about why we walk? What would motivate you to get out there and walk today? If you've got a dog, that's a pretty good motivator. If you've got a baby to push around in a baby carriage, pretty good motivator to walk. What would motivate you to walk? What would you get out there and walk for? You think about marches and parades. All of it is really taking a walk. I'm going to encourage each and every one of us to take a walk today and start a conversation about the politics of walking the politics of walking. Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man who walks, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Micah 6-8, he has told you, O man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to do what? Walk humbly with your God. How about John 8-12? 
Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not do what? Well, he will not walk in darkness. He will have the light of life. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's talk about walking with the Father in the garden in the cool of the day. Or talk about the politics of walking with Abraham to the mountain where God had directed him to sacrifice Isaac. Talk about the politics of walking with Moses to ask Pharaoh to let God's people go. Or talk about the politics of walking with Jesus into and through Samaria. Or walking with Jesus from Bethany to Beth or from Bethany to Jerusalem. Or walking with Jesus from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, take a walk today. Talk about how Peter walked with Jesus and how Paul walked with Jesus and what it was like to, I don't know, walk on the road the rest of the way to Damascus after Paul had had his transforming encounter with Jesus. Talk about those you know who have walked with Jesus along life's narrow way, walked with him and talked with him. Colossians 2.6 says plainly, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. 1 John 2, 5 and 6 says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Let's talk today about the politics of walking with Jesus and walking as Jesus in the world that God so loves. Dr. Brett Nix um, worked all weekend, including yesterday when others were taking a holiday. He worked in the ER. I have a great appreciation for his being here with us this morning. Let's uh, check in with the good doctor. What questions do you have uh, if you could ask a doc today? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears without crying. Dr. Brett Nix is joining us now. Um, we're going to talk about some headlines and bringing the mind of Christ to bear on some health headlines today. Also want to direct you to the Christian Medical and Dental Association um, with whom Brett serves. Brett, thank you so much for being here after a long weekend in the ER. Carmen, happy 2023. I don't think we've had a conversation since the beginning of the year, so I'm happy to be here. No, thank you so very much. Um, all right, what's the last good walk you took? You know, good walk is probably the right phrase. I took a walk this morning. It was about uh, 37 degrees and raining with my dog uh, and walking my son up to catch the bus. But that being said, that wasn't the good walk. The great walk that we had uh, was on Saturday before my shift. We got up early. Uh, my son and I had breakfast. Uh, we grabbed the dog and we went about 25 minutes up the road to something called Hanging Rock. And uh, it's just, you know, God's creation in full glory. Beautiful, beautiful, cold winter day, blue skies strong wind blowing. So all the birds, you know, the, the, the raptors were soaring up above and just hiking up and uh, sitting up there cold, uh, but celebrating the view. And in the, in the time, amazing conversation with my son, of course, my dog in, in, in her element. Uh, and then at the same point in time to be able to sit back. And as you said, uh, to be able to embrace, to step into life that God has created and to be able to see God in everything. That was the, uh, that was the good one. I love that. 
I love that. Um, all right. So there is a public comment period underway for rescinding the HHS conscience rights protection. Can you give us a quick update on that and invite people to um, participate in this comment period? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that forward. Uh, you know, if, uh, if you are somebody who really hears this clearly, uh, back in May 2019, Protecting Conscious Rights in Healthcare was passed that allows physicians like myself and many others to be able to practice uh, in a moral and ethical manner, uh, to not be told to do things that we believe are against either our faith or our moral ethical basis uh, by which we have stood as a doctor. After, you know, when we stand to be a physician, we are asked to do no harm. Uh, and many of the things that come our way, uh, we quite frankly will look at and say, goodness gracious, I don't think this is good medicine. I don't think the request of the patient uh, is in full uh, understanding of the circumstances. And what's happening right now is DHHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, has this process ongoing right now where they're seeking public comments specific to overturning or changing uh, the protecting uh, health conscious rights in healthcare. And the dialogue that they're having is this comment between balancing the safeguard of conscious rights versus the access to desired healthcare of the patients. And really, if you get in and you start digging into this, this really has a lot to do with um, access to uh, women's health, specifically areas around abortion and the, the ongoing issues from a state to state basis there. But also a lot of the things that have come into to, uh, full front in the last you know, handful of years related to gender related concerns, uh, whether this is providing medications to adolescents uh, and onward, uh, where you know determinations of, uh, of gender are uncertain at this point in time because of them growing up and just being teenagers, uh, adolescents growing through changes in societal commentary that's coming in you know, to not harm these individuals by performing things on them that, quite honestly, uh, have never been proven. And, and number two, we don't know that the, the long-term benefit is of anything because really it's something where we look at the genetics, we look at the creation that God made, and it's very clear to us from a genetic code perspective uh, that God created man, God created woman, uh, and we have respective roles and process here. And when you look at this this this, this window of time, uh, the ability for the, the public to speak out is important, for people to stand and say, I want my physician, I want my doctors to be able to use a moral and ethical basis to treat people uh, as humans, treat them as God would treat them, to treat them like they would treat themselves uh, in a positive moral and ethical basis. And so I really, if uh, you have the ability to give the link to the listeners and otherwise, there's a way they can go into DHHS, put in comments specific to what they believe. And again, the support of the moral and ethical basis of decision-making for healthcare providers would be incredibly important. Yeah, I'm going to include the link in today's show notes. The other place that you can do it is hhs.gov. And there is a conscious and religious non-discrimination page there where you can um where you can make your uh, make your comments, but I will absolutely include that um, in a uh, in the links for today's um, show notes. Also, ways there for you to file a conscience or religious freedom complaint um, if you have one, which you know always helpful as well. Um, or you have lots of questions um, from listeners about COVID, how worried we should be about COVID, um, and then questions also about long COVID. So, can we address that after a very brief break? Absolutely. Happy to. All right. We're talking with Dr. Brett Nix. We're going to talk all things COVID here in just a moment. Are you suffering with long COVID? Are you worried about 
the latest strains of COVID. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. And he wants with me and he talks. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Um, are you seeing COVID cases? Um, are they different than the ones you saw before? And what's going on with long COVID? Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, one of the things that we love about the holiday season, especially in, in the Northern Hemisphere, is it gets cold. The days are shorter, at least from a sunlight perspective. And we get a chance to spend lots of time with family and friends in close proximity. And of course, what we know even before COVID is that's when we see flu season. That's when we have exposures from common viruses and things like that. And so this is this is not unusual. And this is exactly what we're seeing uh, really over the, the holiday block. It was amazing. I just the mix of people that had influenza and the mix of those that had uh, COVID based infections uh, were about the same. I mean, it was, uh, it was an interesting mix. Um, those that got serious illnesses, we know to be true, are those that have underlying conditions that put them at risk for those things. Uh, so nothing really changed in that space. And the symptomatology that people are getting uh, it's very fascinating. They're very similar. Uh, you'll find people that have really the fevers, the body aches, the higher fevers typically seem still to be associated with influenza, but fevers nonetheless, the body aches, uh, headaches. You know, some people have a little bit of a GI or a vomiting or a, a diarrheal associated feature uh, in the COVID space, but we're continuing to see it. It's not, uh, it's not extravagant as far as the numbers. And again, I think a lot of people have symptoms, mild symptoms as it stands, and obviously they're not going to be the ones that come to the emergency department, but we're still seeing it. And so for those who are out there who can nod their heads and say, yep, I got exposed over the winter months and uh, I've had my most recent bout of COVID, uh, let's talk about long COVID. So I want everybody to take a pause for a second. Think about this. About three years ago is when we saw this rapid, unprecedented expansion of COVID from the Wuhan region. Uh, and here we are three years later talking about, well, for those that had it, how long, is it, how long do the symptoms last? And for those who've had long COVID, the symptoms that continue, um, what do we expect? Now, there's a couple of things we have to understand. The first thing is long COVID has a couple of different definitions. We in the U.S. use a four-week window. So after the onset of your infection, your symptoms persist at four weeks. When you look on an international level, the WHO and others, they use a longer-term window, about three months. Uh, regardless, there's a recent study out of Israel that looked at about 2 million people that had COVID of all different varieties, very severe, hospitalized, um, and requiring high levels of care versus those with very, very mild cases. And they looked at the simple things of ongoing respiratory issues, that cough that lingers. For those who have it, you know what I'm talking about. Now, that brain fog where you just, gosh, you know, I'm not firing on all cylinders. When I think, I'm not thinking clearly. I'm not able to task shift as well as I could before. And then, of course, those that have uh, taste and smell uh, deficiencies as well. What they found is for those that had mild infections in this cohort within Israel, the vast majority of them, uh, their symptoms resolved within one year. Uh, mm. And for those, of course, that had higher levels of, uh, of infection, serious illness in the hospital, a lot of other issues that are ongoing. And most of the time, these are patients who oftentimes have underlying medical conditions. It wasn't just COVID, but it may have affected their kidneys. It may have affected their heart and many other things. They suffer long COVID for a longer duration. One sub-caveat, though, is for those that were vaccinated but still got COVID, we recognize the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting it, but it, it minimizes the symptoms once you have it. Uh, for those that were vaccinated, they had a decrease in the lung symptoms from the respiratory component only. Uh, so it's, it's, it's 
All right, we uh we our connection with Brett um is breaking up, so let's just uh let's see if that can um take a second to reset and uh and see if we can hear him better. Um Brett, why don't you restate that last uh, sentence? Okay, that was weird. Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah. And so can you hear me now, Carmen, clearly? Great. Yes. You know, the uh, the key piece here is for those with long COVID, the piece with long COVID is simply this. We have to be patient. Uh, our bodies are created to heal themselves incredibly well. Uh, and what we believe to be true is it's a matter of time. And the vast majority of these things, for most people, uh, should return to normal. Um, one of the um, crises in the United States is not just suicide, but the suicide of people who have served us in the military. Um, suicide rates among veterans are just it, it, staggeringly high. Um, it, it sounds like the uh, U.S. military uh, establishment um, is now making this a priority, the Department of Veterans Affairs um, making this a top priority this year. Tell us what's now available for all U.S. vets um, who are having mental health challenges and or suicide ideation. Yeah, boy, you know, this is a unique thing. We know in the U.S. that mental health challenges are pervasive, and it's often an, unfor- an unrecognized and forgotten population, especially when it comes to resources and management. And those that have served our military, we know struggle with things like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorders, uh, and even the challenges of reintegration after being and serving in the military, increased stress, uh, and obviously we see this with a suicide rate. To give you a perspective, uh, in that population, in our veterans, uh, greater than 6,000 deaths per year due to suicide uh, since 2000 every year. And recognizing this, there's a strategy ongoing right now that has increased access to those that need it. Uh, 24-7 call access for help. Uh, But more importantly, they extended the resources outside of the VA system to say, if you're a veteran, if you're facing issues of suicide or contemplating this, we want to serve you. Go to any hospital that has resources available, and they're providing the ability for them to seek care and to have that care paid for because of the service that they gave to our country for the freedoms that we enjoy. Uh, it's a small price for us to pay to get back to them. Uh, it's a tremendous thing. Their goal is to go ahead and decrease the rates over the next 10 years uh, by at least 20%. I would love to see it to be much higher than that. So just to remind everyone, the new um, three-digit lifeline uh, is 988. If you just want to dial 988 um, if you are in a mental health crisis, certainly if you are contemplating suicide, there are immediate services available for you, no matter who you are, via 988 right now. If you're a veteran and you dial 988 and then you press 1, you will be, um, you will be quickly connected to services especially designed for U.S. veterans. Um, and so the 988 crisis hotline is available for everyone. If you're a veteran, then you want to press 1. Um, Brett, we got a, a minute here to talk about a breakthrough obesity drug. Really? Is there now a pill for that? Well, I tell you, I would love to say it's as easy as a, as a, as a pill. Uh, but in one minute's time, the answer is quite possibly when you blend in the knowing things that we have with social and environmental influence. Real briefly, obesity, as we know, is an epidemic. Can you imagine over the last 30 years? It has tripled in our U.S. population, and we actually one of the national and international leaders uh, in obesity, not something we should be proud of. That mm. being said, 
many of the medications that we've looked at for diabetes have now started to identify ways of decreasing or regulating our appetite, decreasing our hunger, uh, and allowing people as they're taking this, not only to improve uh, in the amount that they eat, but in that process to start losing weight in addition to the normal lifestyle changes that we all know to be true. Uh, in one cohort, 20% uh, weight loss in this group over a 16-month window. That's substantial. The one question we ask is simply this, what happens when they come off the medication? Uh, is it something you have to be on for life? And yes, it's a new medication. What are the downstream effects of it that we just don't know yet? Uh, but I tell you, it's tremendous. And really, it's affecting how our brain works uh, and our hunger areas. And I think that's really the right thing because you pair that with good lifestyle, great sleep, decreased stress, good exercise, and good eating habits. And I think we're looking at a substantial win. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, Brett, as always, thank you for joining us. I hope you get a little rest today. Thank you so much for your labors, not only with us, um, but in taking care of so many people. Oh, you're very welcome, Carmen. Thanks for having me. And everyone, make sure you go out and take a good walk. Walk with God, walk with Jesus, and ask yourself, where are you going to walk in 2023? Amen. Amen. We're going to all get out there and take a good walk today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. Who are you walking with this year? Um, as you walk with Jesus, who else is uh, sort of in that mix? I remember um, teaching a seventh grade Sunday school class once on the passage where you know it talks about being yoked with Christ and uh, Christ, you know, yoke being easy and His burden light. And it's because right, He's carrying most of it, and those of us who are yoked to Christ um, are allowing Him to really carry the burden. Um, but then when you look down, if you're, you know, if you are yoked to someone else, you know, if and you look down, who's taking the first step? Like who's, who's leading the way? Whose steps are you following? And if you're yoked to Christ, then, right, we ought to be looking for where his foot falls and we ought to be following um, along with that. And so then every person who is yoked to Christ is also then yoked with one another. And so we did this little exercise where, you know, we all put our hands around each other's shoulders and, you know, the the Jesus character in our uh, in our little enactment took a step and everyone else took a, a step that followed. And then um, we closed our eyes and I said, okay, everybody just take a step. Well, you can imagine what chaos that was because it depends how, uh, which foot you take a step with and how long that step is and whether or not it's straight ahead or slightly to the right or slightly to the left and on and on and on. I mean, you can end up in just a heap. So my question is, who are you walking with today? If you are yoked with Christ, are you following his lead, watching his footfalls, walking as he walks? And with whom are you yoked as other believers also walk with Christ? Uh, Faith Radio is uh, yoked in a specific way with the ministry of one child. And many of our um, folks from from the Faith Radio Network have had an opportunity uh, to do some trips with one child and experience what's happening uh, in other parts of the world with the one child team. 
Uh, Yoli Lalama is going to join us next. She is uh, the One Child Discovery and Vision Trip Coordinator, and she's going to talk with us about One Child and the experiences they've had over her 15 years of service with this organization. She recently took a team from Northwestern Media, which includes Faith Radio, to the Dominican Republic in November, and we're going to talk with her. Um, She's also, by the way, known as the Mother Teresa of Latin America. Yep, she's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Mama Yoli is joining us now. Yoli Lalama, uh, the One Child Discovery and Vision Trip Coordinator for One Child. Mama Yoli, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you for having me on your show. What what a delight um, to have you join us. I imagine we are interrupting you um, during a day um, that is quite full. So talk with us about, you know, like, what what do you do um, maybe on an ordinary day? And then why do you have a passion for child sponsorship? Because I certainly know you have sponsored children of your own. Yes, my regular day um, looks like I come in in the morning and I um, I'm coordinating trips with the U.S. churches and with our countries overseas. So we are the bridge between uh, the field and the U.S. church, which is really, uh, for me, it's an honor because I get to know our U.S. churches, their heart, their passion, and as well uh, working with um, our field staff on the ground, coordinating all the activities that they will be doing with the children, getting to know the community, the pastors. Um, so it's it. It's always real encouraging for me. And then regarding my sponsored children, I sponsor, um, I sponsored over the 20 years I work at the organization, um, different children that either have completed the program or have left the program because they've moved out of the area. But the last three that I've had, I've had them now for, um, for at least, uh, 13, 14 years. Um, one, I have one in the Dominican Republic. His name is Tony. I love him very much. He, uh, His background is a really sad and hard background. But at the Hope Center, when he enrolled in the program and began to attend the program, um, he really him and his brothers, because he's got five other siblings, they're all boys, and um, began to heal uh, from the rejection and the uh, just the hardness of sometimes that people don't understand uh, why these children, they're they're Haitian. Their background is Haitian. They're born in the Dominican, but they are their parents are Haitian, and they only live with their mother. And so they, there is a, a discrimination there. But um, at the Hope Center, the pastor and the Hope Center director and the child champions that work with the kids have really, really helped helped him, um, and also help the community understand. That was one of the biggest and most important things that I saw, 
how they reached out and they began to work with the community to accept this family and to love them and to care for them. And so now they're part of that community. They go to church there at the uh, where the Hope Center is, um, and um, they've accepted Jesus, and they've learned um, the love of God and what that does. And it has helped them in their schooling. They get a great meal um, at the Hope Center. So it's been a real, a real blessing. So you recently, um, as a part of what you do um, for One Child, you recently led uh, a team from Northwestern Media um, to the Dominican Republic. Can you just uh, maybe share with us what um, what your experience of that uh, team was uh, and invite people into One Child? I had the privilege and honor to meet... Um uh, the radio station announcers and people that work at your radio station uh, to lead them into Dahavon, which is in the north end of the island, and it borders Haiti. And it was, I had not been there um, for at least 13 years. It's an area where we do not uh, get a lot of visitors just because it's far from the the main city where we have our hope centers, but we have five hope centers there, five amazing pastors. And it was, it was just really um, to see um, the radio station um, staff connect and walk through the communities and see the reality where, because when you see the children at the hope center, they're, they're joyful. They have mm-hmm. smiles in their in their faces, and you know, they, to you, they would look just like a regular child. But when you go to their homes and visit their communities, we know that these children come from um, very difficult situations. And we, uh, one of the things that I love about One Child is that we work in hard places. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of these communities are located in very hard areas, and um, and the pastors are just amazing. They We trust them, and we work with them because they know their community. They know what they their community needs, and, um, and the people at the Hope Center. So to see uh, the staff, um, Northwestern staff, reach out and connect with these kids and connect with the pastors, the community, and what they saw. It was just really, um, really, really encouraging for me because I kept thinking, um, this area has finally gotten exposure and these children have gotten exposure to know that there's people out there that love them and that care about them, that it's not just it's them and who they're with, but that you guys are also coming alongside and making an impact in sponsorship. And I think one of my favorite stories was when I went to one of the Hope Centers, uh, the Hope Center director came up to me and she gave me such a huge hug that I thought I was going to lose my breath. And she looked at me, she goes, Sister Yoli. And I go, and I'm going, who is she? Who is she? And she says, I'm Eunice. Do you remember me? Mm. And then all of a sudden it clicked. I had, uh, she entered the program when she was eight years old. And now she's the director of the Hope Center. 
Mm. And I was, I was so thrilled. I was so thrilled to see her leadership, her confidence, and what she had become. And at the end of the day, she said, this, all of this would have not been possible if it wasn't for one child and what the church and you guys did for me. She goes, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you're here with the, you know, with the radio station so that they can share about what one child is doing. If you go to My Faith Radio right now, MyFaithRadio.com, you're going to see the One Child banner right up there at the top where you can not only learn more, but you can learn about children who are looking for you today to become their One Child champion. We're going to spend a couple of days at the end of this week um, intentionally focused on raising up One Child champions and partners for One Child. And so today's an opportunity for us to talk with Yoli Lalama, the One Child Discovery and Vision Trip Coordinator, um, about One Child. And when we come back, she's going to tell us more stories about the children she knows through One Child. You could change the world by making a difference in the life of just one child. Check out our partnership at MyFaithRadio.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Jesus loves me, this I know. Holy Bible tells me so. Little children, black and white. Jesus loves the children. Yoli Lalama is here with us. She's the One Child Discovery and Vision Trip Coordinator. You can find more about our partnership with One Child, and you can see um, children who are looking for you right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Yoli, um, tell us some stories, right? It's helpful for people to understand, um, as you know so well, uh, the reality in which these children are living. Um, And they have parents who want to be doing more for them, but parents who are, because of life circumstances, unable to do any more than they can do. And this is where the church comes in. Let me tell you a story about um, um, in one of our Hope Centers. Uh, the Hope Center is um, near the slums, and it actually is like two blocks away from the slums. This is in the Dominican Republic, and uh, the pastor there is an amazing pastor. His name is Oscar, and um the community is called Sal Si Puedes, which means see if you can come out. And when you go into the community, um, it's a community where drug trafficking, sex trafficking, arm dealing, and uh, drugs as well. And a lot of the children from that area come to the center. But I think uh, one of my stories that I love is when we first opened up the Hope Center in 2006, um, I went to watch how they were enrolling the children and help with the enrollment. And the pastor that 
was there, Pastor Oscar. Um, every child that would come in, um, he would hug them. And when I was talking to him, he said, I told him, I said, Pastor Oscar, you don't need to come every day to the Hope Center. You know that, right? And he goes, no, I need to be here for these children because these children need hugs every day. They do not get that at home. They don't, their parents don't, they're so busy trying to either work or make a living or, or involved in what they shouldn't be involved in. And they need that encouragement. And I think um, when I, when I see the children at the Hope Center and they receive these letters from sponsors um, and they read these letters that someone cares about them, that someone loves them, I can't begin to tell you what an impact that has on a child and how that just changes their lives and to know and they wait for that letter. So I encourage sponsors, when you sponsor, make that connection with that child, write to that child, and share your life, and they share their lives. And there's a great connection in that. Um, and so I have seen many children from that Hope Center um, come to Christ, have graduated, that are now some of them are actually teachers at the Hope Centers, and some of them have completed and gone through college. And so it's just incredible what the Hope Center does. And we can't do this without the pastor who is the lead. He's uh, very important, and the child champions. Those are the people that work with the children. And we call them champions is because they come from the same community. They come from the church, and they come from the same community, and they might be living the same difficult situations, but they have given their life to Christ, and they've uh, decided that they want to make a difference. And I think that's the big thing. If you want to make a difference, if you want to impact a child's life, if you want to um, change that one child's life, it's through sponsorship. Hmm. I'm wondering, um, Yoli, how we can pray for you today. Um, that God continues to uh, continues to keep that burning fire in my heart for the poor, mm. because that is a passion that I've had since I was 13 years old. And um, I always remember that verse um, and that says, we will always have the poor with us. Mm-hmm. We will always, and there's a, and there's a reason, and I and I think there's so many opportunities to do so much good, and for me, prayer is a real powerful thing, and so we need to extend ourselves. We need to go beyond um, and not be in our little comfort zone. Um, I think God wants to ch- you know challenge us and say, hey. Because he came for all of us, and he came Mm -hmm. for them. And so um, I would just uh, ask your prayers that you would uh, pray for strength, for wisdom, and and that God would keep that fire burning in me for the poor. We're going to do that right now. Father, we come before you. The unity of spirit and the bond of peace, we come in the name of Jesus. We come as brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the world. 
um, but all belonging to your kingdom. And we ask for our sweet sister, Yoli. We ask, Father, for strength and wisdom. And we ask that you would fan the flame of the fire you have set within her so long ago um, for the poor. We would ask that you would stoke the fire, that it would burn brightly in her heart because it is illuminating for so many others who are turning aside from the comfortable things of life and through Yoli being able to see how others are living um, and your opportunity to do all the good. Father, thank you for the heart you have given her. Thank you for the resources you have supplied. And we would ask that you would renew renew her in her walk this day, um, that she might continue to challenge us and others um, with this such clear call of the gospel to come alongside those who are the poor in our generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for the prayer. Thank you for the blessing. Absolutely. Yoli, um, thank you so much for joining us today and for doing what you do every day through the ministry of one child. Maybe most importantly and significantly, for being a child sponsor yourself. So thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. You guys can find One Child Resources today at MyFaithRadio.com. We're going to be focusing on One Child this week and challenging um, each and every person to consider becoming a One Child champion. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Sometimes, um, you know, something catches my fancy and makes me smile. Um, on Twitter this morning, there is someone asking the question, who, who among us names their home? So let me ask, who among you has named your home? Does your home have a name? You know, we got three kids who are building houses down the street from us, and um, we have challenged them to name their homes. Now, the only reason that I've challenged them to do that is because I want to do an artist rendering I mean, not me personally, but have an artist actually like, you know, like render it. And as their housewarming gift, like give that to them. Like, I think that would be really fun and have some note cards made so they can, you know, send those out. And um, But it'd be more fun if their houses had names and probably names that I didn't come up with. So uh, so there you go. Does your house have a name? Text me 877-933-2484. If you could name a house, what would you name it? Um, so there you go. Does your house have a name? Or if you could name a house, what would you name it? 877-933-2484. I am now on the hunt for house names. It's a good question. Like who who names their house? Not, not, not very many people. I mean, I suppose some houses have names and we just call ours our house. So I don't know. Does that count? We named our Wi-Fi. Does that count? Does your Wi-Fi have a name? Mm-hmm. All right. Those are some less than serious thoughts for the day, but I'm sure you could have fun with it, right? All right, get out there into the world that God so loves and walk by faith, not by sight. Walk with Jesus. Think about how you're walking, where you're walking, who you're walking with. Um, Let me know how your walk is going. Thank you so much for spending this portion of your day with me. You guys can uh, get the show notes for today and all the links at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. If you're not subscribed to Mornings with Carmen on your favorite podcast network, why not? Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. 
If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.